Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, baby, yeah. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com. Uh, where you'll find everything. I mean, live audio. Oh, I suppose I should turn on the live stream. I forgot to turn the live stream on this morning. Okay, live stream is now on. Live, on stream, stream only, audio only stream. And, of course, links to the podcast, which is available on CastBox, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. And, of course, links to our social media sites where we simulcast the radio show Every morning on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. That's all on the internet. And then, of course, on plain old regular terrestrial radio, my favorite, um, uh, across the state of Alaska, on this, your favorite radio station, and or FM Translator. Good morning, my friends. How are you this uh, beautiful, crispy, cloudy, 23-degree morning? How are you doing this morning? Uh, across the state of Alaska. Boy, this week has really uh, gone like lickety split, right? Just jumping right through it. And today is going to be no different. We're going to have a whiz-bang of a show today. That's a technical term, whiz-bang. Today on the program, we're going to cover a few headlines here in hour one, and then we're going to jump right into it with Ole Larson, who is, of course, a candidate running for re-election on the Matsu School Board. And we're going to get... We're going to get into a discussion on some of the changes and uh, it's uh, what, you know, what are the challenges, what are parents facing, uh, what are some of the um, inflection points? Boy, that's a fancy term. What are some of the things that are, that are going on uh, out there uh, in the world? And we're going to talk about that with Ole Larson, who, again, running for re-election on the Matsu School Board in hour one. In hour two... We're going to be uh, diving into it in the beginning of the hour with uh, Jack Klaus, who is with the Alaska Shriners. And we're going to talk about not only the work of the Shriners and the uh, history of the Shriners, but we're also going to spend a segment talking about the Shriner Classic, which is a high school all-star high school football game, which takes place every year. Uh, bringing the finest talent uh, from uh, school districts and and high school football st- uh, around the state together for one single game um, at the Dome down in Anchorage. And we're going to talk about that as well, and uh, we'll get uh, the full rundown of everything that's going on there. And then um, we'll probably have one final segment to just kibitz you and I, and we'll talk about whatever. And then, of course, tomorrow is Firearms Friday. Firearms Friday, baby. We're going to have some good discussions tomorrow as well. So we're looking forward to that, and we'll see what's uh, what's 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 going on. So full show for today. Full show, full discussion, 
and uh, we are all ready to go. Um, there are a bunch of headlines, of course, uh, one of the big pieces of news, which we won't really cover today, we'll probably cover tomorrow, is uh, the discussion about what's happening in Maine right now. There was a oh mass shooting in Maine, mental health uh, break, somebody, <clears throat> gentleman, um, uh, lost his mind apparently, and... Um, uh, has gone on to kill uh, lots of folks, unfortunately, in Maine. I'm sure we'll have more details about it tomorrow and uh, hopefully some more non-speculative details about what was going on. Uh, but according to the headlines that I saw this morning, uh, this guy had already been, um, this guy had been uh, 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 not adjudicated. He had been um, committed. He'd had some involuntarily uh, involuntary commitment going on. Uh, and then was somehow able to uh, uh, continue on after that. So anyway, I, I don't want to have any more speculation on it because we don't have enough details. Um, but we will know more about it tomorrow, and we'll we'll have some we'll have some discussion. We'll have some discussion about it. So uh, that's going on tomorrow for Firearms Friday. Uh, all right. Well, let's dive into the uh, headlines uh, here this this morning. <laughs> Let's dive into the, sorry, I have a backlight here in my studio and my dog is walking in front of it. It looks like one of those monsters, you know, that you see in the movies where they make a shadow on the wall. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's get into some of the headlines and stories from around the state. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the uh, some of the interesting news uh, that's going on. Um, I thought one of them that was very interesting uh, was a uh, discussion uh, in Anchorage about a new bond measure. Uh, yep, they're going to pass a new bond. This one for $12.5 million, $12.5 million, uh, which they're going to use to install public restrooms, toilets around the city of Anchorage. Um, apparently, one of the problems in Anchorage is that they have very few restrooms available to tourists, pedestrian, trail users, or anyone else. Twelve and a half million dollars, though. And, of course, public restrooms are a feature that most cities have. Um, and uh, this has been kind of a challenge for... Uh, for many folks, the lack of readily accessible accommodations mean people need to uh, often, you know, they often have to go make a purchase at a store to be able to use the facilities at a store. Um, <clears throat> on top of that, of course, the Muni is grappling with their own homelessness crisis with hundreds of people living outdoors. And although they moved a few porta potties around to some of these places, boy, it's not a place that I would like to have a tourist go into to use for the facilities, right? Because they're not treating them very, very nicely. <laughs> they, though officials have moved a small number of porta potties to some of the larger homelessness encamp uh, encampments, people staying at such locations have regularly complained of squalor and unsafe conditions inside the toilet. I mean, I just can't imagine what it would be like. So <clears throat> the proposal that they have in front of them calls for setting up 20 to 30 new public bathrooms across the Muni as part of a pilot program to see how well it works. Um, they are eyeing a specific model of porta potty from a company called Portland Lou. Uh, 
Um, it was first built and deployed in Portland, Oregon by a company called Madden Fabrication. Unlike the porta potties that we have right now or a, or a brick and mortar public bathroom, these modular units were designed specifically to deter crime, vandalism, and drug use. Oh, they must be warm and fuzzy. Angled louvers on the siding allows for a measure of privacy, but they don't have solid walls. So you get these louvers that kind of protect you, but you're not you're not living inside one of these things because there's no there's no walls. Um, and uh, uh, they also uh, hand washing stations are on the outside, and they only use cold water, which I'm not sure that how that's going to work in the middle of winter. Uh, they are protected with an anti-graffiti clear coat, uh, which makes them uh, easy to maintain and able to take a lot of abuse. Um, the Portland Lou says the company's website also uses blue lights inside of it to prevent drug users from locating veins. Oh, my God. I mean, this is I'm reading this. This th- I mean, good for them. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just thinking you've got to think of everything when it comes to these things i mean it's just it's astonishing the cost of each one of these units well about hundred and fifty thousand dollars a piece and uh so they are out there looking to to find all these meg zalatel who proposed this thing said she did it as a bond uh instead of pursuing the policy piecemeal because otherwise uh it would have been just that it would have been piecemeal it would have been one or two units at a time and instead they're asking the public to Foot the bill for all this stuff for twelve and a half million bucks, and um, I mean, it, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. I don't know. Uh, the, 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 again, the comment that they said, you know, it just makes a lot of tourists mad that they have to buy something to go use a bathroom. I, I bet that bathroom is a lot cleaner than most of the public toilets around there. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm betting that that's probably a, a, a big deal. Um, also, hey, remember that viral ad campaign that, uh, Carluck used, uh, down, <laughs> down on the island of Kodiak? Remember that Carluck, the Carluck, they, uh, they did a viral ad campaign where they invited a couple families to bring their kids and come on up. All expenses paid. They'll take care of everything. They'd pay your bills. They'd give you a job. They'd give you housing. I mean, remember that whole thing? I mean, that was huge, right? I mean, it made the national news. Well, that school in Carlick, which reopened this fall, um, will close again just after just after a month in session due to those families' departures. <laughs> I mean, who could see this coming? The decision to close the Carlick school was unanimous at an emergency board meeting on Tuesday. Reopening the school was a huge effort for all the parties involved. Carluck had just a few dozen year-round residents, with only two of them being school-age kids. The village advertised free living expenses for two families to move there over the summer. The state requires 10 students to be enrolled. The ad worked. Two families with eight kids between them moved to Carluck in September. And the district's Board of Education voted to reopen the facility. But as of Monday, both of the new families had left. It's it was September. What is this? This is October the 26th. And that didn't last long. That was just, that didn't last long. Uh, it was a blow to the community, obviously. The tribal chief of the tribal council said uh, it was disappointing. We thought we'd pick the right family. One of them, the Wilkers Wilkinsons, were one of the families that was chosen to fly. They were reached via social media. 
They said they were back in Kentucky, but had no comment at this time. And the other family could not be reached for comment. I mean, no reason given other than, uh, I mean, there's a picture in the ADN looking like Carlock. I mean, it's like 10 buildings and a bay and that's it. I mean, there's just, you know, not a whole lot there. Not a, and I mean, I understand. It's just, what it, but wow. Wow. So the district there in Carluck is still going to, I mean, the district is still going to support the kids in Carluck. Uh, according to the chief, again, she said, we're going to be transitioning those students and providing them education via our AK Teach Homeschool and Correspondence Program. Probably the thing that they should have done to begin with. I mean, you only got two students. Do you expend all this money to bring a bunch of people up just to keep the school open when you could have just plugged them into the homeschooling system to begin with? I mean, I just, you know. So October is when the uh, ADEED, the, indeed, the Department of Education, does a head count of students for funding, but the families left before the count was finished. So they didn't even get this full year. They, immer- they had to close the school down overall. They said they're out about $80,000 in between renovating the school so the teacher could live there, the, everything else, getting the supplies, doing all the tech, everything else. They're out about 80000 bucks, which, I mean— who knew it wouldn't be sustainable to move two families up from the lower 48 and have them live there for the winter? I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be facetious here, but why didn't you just put them into the homeschooling program from the very beginning? There was only two students. Why wouldn't you do that from the very beginning? Just not, not a lot to attract a bunch of families to Carluck. Even the free money, free housing, free jobs, everything else, not enough. It's, I mean, it's unfortunate. And uh, I guess we'll see what happens with that. Crazy stuff. All right, uh, we're up against it. We got to go. Ole Larson is going to be joining us in just a moment. Going to be talking about his run for the Matsu School Board. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. I mean, who could see that coming? I mean, who could see who could see that coming? I feel so bad for them. I mean, it's just, but I mean, you've got two students, you need 10, you're going to invite all these people in, you're going to pay for everything just to get the, 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 the state to come in and do, when you could have just put these kids in some distance education program, which you ended up doing anyway, all that effort, all that work. And I mean, but if you look at Carluck, pictures of it, there's not a lot to do there. I mean, there's just not, it's not, it's not for everybody. That remote lifestyle living is not for everybody. I mean, it's wow. Okay. Um, anyway, let's, uh, let's jump over to the, uh, to the green room here. I see Ole Larson's in the green room hanging out with us. We're going to test his audio and everything else, make sure that he sounds good and we can do this. So let's go, uh, let's go over there. 
uh, right now. Let's see what he has to say. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing fine. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you okay. In fact, you are plenty loud. Let me turn you down just a hot, just a little bit here. I just want to make sure we don't blow out anybody's ears. Okay. Uh, yep. Uh, you're, here's this is what's going to look like when we get going. So don't uh, don't don't adjust your camera too much there. So we're we're good to go to begin with. So uh, are you? Uh, you're all ready. We're all we're ready already for what we're going to do here this morning. Yes, uh, I am. It's uh, boy, I got to tell you, the school board races across the state have been a very interesting situation. We've been following all the races around the state right now, and uh, it's interesting that these things um, have become a, a center point, have become a choke point for kind of all these, I mean, little school board races in little towns in Alaska have become the focus of hundreds of thousands of dollars from around the country. It's kind of an interesting situation. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. Uh, let me just, uh, uh, I'm going to put this up here for for Matt Sue School Board. Okay. I'm just putting that into your into your uh, little bio there so folks can see it. All right. Well, you sound good uh, and you look good. We're going to uh, put you back in the green room for just a second. I'm going to answer a bunch of questions and comments from the chat room, and then we'll be back to you here in two minutes and 20 seconds. So don't go anywhere. Have a cup of coffee. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy my enjoy my virtual donuts and my virtual green room. I've got virtual donuts in there with no calories. Feel free to eat all the ones you want. So that's what I need. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. All right, well, hold the line. I'm going to pull you back into the green room for now. Let me go back over here and see what folks have been talking about. Uh, you say, you say public restrooms, Anthony says, but I hear heated meth shacks. I mean, it sounds like they're doing everything they can to make them unhospitable for those people. But, yeah, still, it was – yeah, it, it's one of those things. Um, <clears throat> some uh, – let's see. What else we got here? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, Jack-o'-lantern teeth, blah, blah, blah. Just go behind a tree like a real Alaskan, said Richard. Yeah, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of trees in the middle of downtown Anchorage. I mean, I guess unless you go behind the ones in the parks there or whatever. And I just don't think that the – I don't think the tourists are quite ready for that, my friend. Um, let's see. Um, expectations. Kentucky to a small island in Alaska, said Brian. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know – it's one of those things. Uh, Kevin McCabe says, I've been to Carluck hundreds of times. Remote is a kind description. Yeah, I mean, that place looks like it is the barren surface of the – I mean, it's, you know, no no trees, nothing else, a handful of buildings right next to the water, and that's it. There's literally nothing there. Probably a bit of culture shock for them. Just one of those things. Um, all right. Uh, we're good to go. Uh, okay. 30 seconds out, ready to go. Um, that Carluck school costs several millions to build and has never had more than a few kids. Yeah. I mean, again, I wonder why, what is the aversion to doing a homeschooling type situation in these communities where they only have a handful of kids? Why build a multi-million dollar building when you could do it a different way? I just, I don't personally understand it, but it's not up to me. Here we go. We're jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thinking radio.
All right, welcome back to the program. We're continuing this morning, uh, getting ready to interview uh, in our series of interviews with different candidates and everything else. This time, it's the Matsu Borough. Uh, we've got uh, the elections coming up on the 7th, and uh, we're talking this morning to Ole Larson, uh, who is a candidate for re-election on the Matsu Borough School Board, and he joins us this morning to talk about the issues. Good morning, sir. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Doing fine, and thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you responding so quickly. Somebody yesterday, uh, I was t- trying to find the contact info and everything, and, and people have been wanting to hear from you and Kathy McCollum, and uh, you know, you guys are in the... You guys are in some of the toughest races that are going on right now. Uh, Ole, before we go any further, can we get a little bit of background on you for folks who don't know who you are, who you are, where you came from, why you've been doing what you're doing? Give us a give us a little bit of a of a bio here uh, from behind to tell us what's going on. All right, I, um, my wife and I have been in uh, Alaska for 48 years. Been in the valley for 42 or three. Um, I uh, worked for the Department of Corrections for 29 years, uh, retired as a uh, uh, superintendent of Matsu pretrial. Um, I've been on the school board for 15 years. I wanted to give back to our society because of the uh, career I had with the state. And I'm on the uh, Alaska Parole Board, and I've been on that board for 12 years. Uh, matter of fact, this week I'm in the middle of a parole run we'll be seeing 58 uh parolees this week and next week um i uh i do have a college education and i was a teacher at one time uh i got my teaching degree uh from uh our certification from the university of alaska um i got my uh bachelor's from the university of nebraska at omaha so i have uh Three wonderful children, four grandkids, and three of those uh, kids, uh, all three of my kids went through the Matsu School District. I have a grandson that's already gone through this uh, Matsu School uh, system. He's in uh, in the university now. Um, and I have two other grandkids in the system. Uh, my whole viewpoint on uh, school district is we're a service organization and uh, we should have a product for reading, writing, um, uh, civics, and uh, education for all students. Right. And, uh, you know, pretty much there and keep the social um, uh, agenda and social network out, uh, you know. Right. Wait, you mean, wait, you mean we should be teaching reading, writing, reading, writing, and arithmetic? We should be teaching logic, rhetoric, and reason instead of kind of socially justify or mollify or teach philosophy to these, you know, sixth graders in the middle of school? I mean, we should be teaching in the basics, you mean? Yep. Basics. Uh, um, pretty much. Well, when you look at the school district, we get money from the state, uh, from our borough and, and a little bit from the feds. And we're supposed to create a product. And our product is educating kids, not social uh social agendas or social movements and not grouping kids. Kids are going to group anyway. You're going to have your, you know, your basketball kids, your choir kids. You're going to have groupings of kids anyway, but it's not our responsibility to do that. Our responsibility as a school district is education. And and we'll, we'll live within our budget and we have 
Uh, within our budget, we have a, a menu of education and we've opened our district years ago. So you can go to any of our schools anytime. We won't bus you to a school that's out of your, out of your district, your busing district, but you can go to any school you want to. It's parental rights. Right. The whole issue is we're here to help the parents figure out the best way to educate their children. Right. Um, I was just making a comment, Ole, and you're one of the conservative voices on the assembly, and there has been a concerted effort, it seems like. We just saw this in Fairbanks. We saw it down in the uh, in the Kenai Peninsula, that all of a sudden these little tiny school board races in these small communities in Alaska, of all places, have garnered a lot of attention from big outside groups, Planned Parenthood, the National Education Association, labor places, all this other kind of stuff, where they're pouring tens of thousands of dollars into these these tiny little community races. And you're seeing this across the country. And now we're seeing it here in the Matsu with some of these candidates that are coming in and maybe not direct contribution to candidates, but uh, independent expenditures and PACs and things like that. What's your take on why all of a sudden there's all this interest in what's going on in the schools from these outside organizations or these outside interests? Well, we pass uh, some common, what I call common sense uh, policies. You know, boys can't go into girls' bathrooms and locker rooms. Uh, the fair playing field, Shelly Hughes had, we passed that. Uh, we passed parental rights. And all of a sudden, We've got this influx of uh, people uh, protesting and, and causing all kinds of turmoil. Um, it's social engineering is the only thing I can figure. Uh, you know, you talk about outside uh, money. Uh, my uh, opponent, for instance, uh, on the 30-day APOC has raised $38,000. I've raised $9,500. i have run five times in this borough for this uh, position and the most I've ever raised in the past is under five thousand dollars. The most that that this uh, school district has seen in fifteen years was when Tom Berge ran three years ago or two years ago. His opponent raised about ten grand and he raised ten grand. This race alone, after I'm predicting, uh, between me and my opponent, will hit sixty thousand dollars, maybe seventy. And between the, the two candidates, uh, Kathy and I, Kathy McClellan and I, we're, we're broaching $100,000 in this race alone. That's insane. And for instance, here's a, a brochure that just came into our house uh, here. And on the bottom, it's uh, paid for by putting Alaska First Committee, uh, 333 Denali Street, Suite 125 Anchorage, uh, Kay Hayes, chairman, approved of this message. Top contributors are LIUNA Political Fund, Washington, D.C., Unite, American PAC of Denver, Colorado, and the NEA, Alaska PAC of Juneau. A major, uh, a major of the contributors of putting Alaska uh, first committee come from outside Alaska. That's what's written on this. Right. So, 
you know, I've never seen that before in ever. The 15 years. Ever. ever. Yeah, ever. ever. We've never seen the kind of outside influence in these small school board elections that we're seeing right now across the state of Alaska, which tells me one thing. We're in a battle for the hearts and minds of our children. That's what this is about. Um, we're seeing hundreds of thousands of dollars being pumped into races cumulatively across the state. And you got to start wondering about what is going on. Uh, outside interest trying to bump you guys from your position. Now, you said it earlier. Your job as a school board is to produce a product that the parents and the kids benefit from, right? I mean, that's the that's the whole point. Is that's to, the bottom line. Yeah, to, yeah. Create a, to create an education system that gives kids a chance. Now, we look at what's happening happened in the past. I mean, we still got, what do we have now? 76% graduation rate in the state. That's up like three points from when Sarah Palin was, was a governor back in the day. So one in four is basically still failing. We've got students who can't, you know, they can't go into 100 level math classes in college. They've got to take remedial math. Something like 60 plus percent have got to take remedial math to be able to do it. We've got kids that can't read at high school level, let alone college level, when they're graduating from, from, from uh, high school across this state. We're not doing necessarily a great job, um, but I think you've hit the nail on the head when you talk about the social engineering and the social aspects, not focusing on those things instead of the reading, writing, arithmetic, you know, talking about the triumvirate of logic, rhetoric, and reason that we could teach kids how to learn, teaching them to love learning, and then allowing them to kind of go on their way. We're kind of missing all that stuff right now. Yeah, and um, what we're doing is, you know, we um, we looked, um, our superintendent and the board looked outside, especially superintendent, at, like Mississippi, why they increase their um, scores uh, from the bottom of the uh, nation to the middle and they're climbing up. And we've adopted, like, uh, uh, some of those policies, like a late start Monday, where where teachers look at the uh, standards that they're teaching, look at the week that they're teaching as a group, like you take all the third grade teachers in a elementary school and they look at what they're doing. And then we have the four C's where we can catch kids up on, on Friday. And we're looking at increasing our graduation requirements where a kid, um, a student has to take a AP course to graduate and has to take a CT course because we found out that kids that take CT courses and AP tend to graduate higher. Our scores are going up in the valley. Our, um, our graduation rate's going up in the valley. And for some reason, <clears throat> we're being um, fought, the MSEA and CEA, not the teachers, but the organization has fought every one of these changes that we've made over the last three years. And, and my question to them is, don't you want kids to do better? What we want is a child, when they walk across that podium, regardless of who they are or what association they have, we want them to be career ready. We want them to be able to go into the trades and go into a four-year apprenticeship program. We want them to go to a university without having to take remedial courses. And we want them to have the highest self-esteem possible to be successful. Um, again, I've told you I'm on the parole board. I've been in corrections all my life. I also spent six years of my career 
the first part of my career at McLaughlin Youth Center. So I know what happens to kids that fail school. I know what happens to kids that go astray. And, and that's what we're trying to prevent. And we're trying to be, uh, well, we are. We're successful here. And we're right. going to only increase. Yeah, no, Matsu is actually, as you said, they're increasing their scholastic scores. They're doing a better job. Matsu is one of the, actually one of the best examples in the state of doing the job right. I guess my question is, why would they want to change horses in midstream at this point? Uh, one of my observations about school uh, school boards specifically is this, Ole, and we can comment on this before we go to break and then we'll, we'll come back. But my observation on school boards is originally the idea of a school board was that they were a body that was made up of parents, parents who cared, parents who had kids in school or who had school-aged children who were trying to create the best product for their students and for their own children and the children in their community. What's happened, it seems like, over the last 15, 20 years is that slowly but surely school boards have become basically made up of educational industry players. You know, teachers, superintendents, principals, labor people, basically all the people who are involved in the education system instead of parents uh, who are just, you know, mom and pops who are just, you know, they have a job, they do it, but they come down there because they care. It seems like it's changed. And I think that has not been for the better. Do you agree or disagree with my opinion no. on that? No, I agree totally. And um, that's the big push is to get uh, people. Um, I'm not saying they don't care, but they have an agenda. You know, our, the agenda on the school board right now is to educate kids. Yeah. I, like I said, I had three kids go through this system and I got grandkids. I want them to walk out and be productive. But when you put in somebody with a total agenda um, and looking at the money, you need to follow the money. You know, uh, um, one thing that we did this uh, last spring, for instance, is we uh, we imposed a contract and, and got rid of the NEA trust fund, uh, which was um, uh, because they would not give us any claim data over the last 10 years. So we were paying for a product and it's like buying a bag of potato chips and all it says is potato chips. You don't know what's in it and, and you have no way of regulating it. We want to become self-insured, for instance, and bring down the cost of insurance, but we couldn't do it. So you got to follow the money. It's all about money and control. Uh, uh, but why do we do that as a school board? Like you said, school boards were created so we can figure out the curriculum that's necessary for this certain community and be able to educate kids. But now it's big money. Yeah. Why would anybody spend $40,000 for a local small school board uh, position? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a prime question. It's a good example, and it's a, it's something we should all be asking ourselves right now. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why we need to encourage people to get out and vote early. Early voting is available right now. Ole Larson is our guest. He is a candidate for re-election on the Matsu School Board. We are going to take uh, a break. And when we come back, we'll have more with Ole Larson. And we'll uh, see if we can get some more info on his candidacy, what separates him out from his opponent, and more. It's all directly ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free thinking radio.
running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, we're in the commercial break right now. Ole Larson is our guest. This is a chance to change uh, gears a little bit and just uh, uh, and just take a look. Ole, you've been again. You mentioned fifteen years on the assembly or on the uh, school board, rather, and uh, you've been uh, you know you've been fighting for this for a while. What kind of changes? I mean, what has changed in the whole makeup of it that all of a sudden we're seeing? Um, you know, kind of this concerted push uh, against the conservative voices in the assembly. Was there an inflection point? Was there a trigger point on this that uh, caused it? Was it the was it the 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 transports? Was it the was it the books in the schools, or is it just kind of accumulation of things? What do you think is the main point of contention that's kind of caused these battles to break out like this? Well, I think it's uh, the. Uh all of the above. Uh, uh, it's NEA National uh, pushing uh, social uh, agendas and, and social engineering. Uh, when we passed the uh, fair playing field, uh, you thought we had shot everybody. And all we were saying is boys are um, male body athletes are 30 percent um, stronger, faster than girls. And we wanted to protect Title IX. Uh, that's common sense. And um, same thing with um, parental rights where, uh, uh, let me give you an example of one of the parental rights that was really uh, people were against. And I'm not saying the majority of the parents, I'm saying that handful of loud yellers, and you know that it's not, it's not the majority. Um, like uh, sex education, um, in the past, it was um, if you did not want your child in a sex ed course, the teacher would get a hold of you two weeks before and you would opt out of that course. Uh, but what would happen um, is uh, just like anything else, uh, the notifications may not get out there or the notifications, you may not see it and the class gets conducted and your kids in a class you don't want. So we changed it to opt in. So what what now happens is if you want your child in sex education, they will opt in, not opt out. So they're automatically out of that course. So the teacher has to get a hold of all the parents and, and give them option to opt in. And that's in most of your courses. For instance, uh, I had a um, uh, constituent come up and say she, she loves that because in a literature uh, course, she was able to pick the books that she wanted her child to read, and they opt in on those books. And the books she didn't want them to read, she just simply said, um, we're not opting in it. We don't want that. It's parental control of the education. And, and for some reason, it's not taking anything from the teacher to teach. It's just getting the parents involved. If you don't have parents involved, kids go astray. And, and that's the key figure here. And why um, the big push against, like me on the school board, I'm saying it's national trends, it's this whole national issue. And um, it's about time the conservatives stood up and they are nationally and we are here right. standing 
against this. You know? Well, and I hope the Matsu conservatives are better at standing up than, for example, the Fairbanks conservatives, where they basically got just got trounced. I mean, that's the thing. I think a lot of people are throwing their hands up in the air and wandering away because they're frustrated with either the divisiveness, the polarization, or just kind of politics in general, and they're just frustrated. But you can't you can't grow weary and well-doing. Don't give up the ship. You've got to keep trying to fight, and you've got to come out for these kind of races. Otherwise, you know, you're going to lose to, you know, you're going to lose the system to these people who want to uh, basically socially engineer everything. Yeah, we're out walking. I think the key figure is we're walking out door to door. We've got the push to vote early, vote now, and get out and vote because it is an off year. And conservatives tend to not, Republican conservatives, and when I say conservatives, we're talking Republicans, because I'm a Republican, and a God-fearing man, you know, we've taken God out of everything, but let's not get into that right now. <laughs> um, they need to get out and vote on these off years. And the, and the Democrats know that uh, conservatives and Republicans don't vote on off years. So we're a big push right now in the Valley is to get out and vote. Your vote is important. And what I've told people is you've got a choice. It's a clear choice here. You want social engineering or you want us to teach uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic and give you a good service and bring your kids up to high self-esteem, be able to read. Like the Reads Act, we're incorporating that. We don't have a problem with that. We're trying to figure out how to fund it a little bit, but that's our issue. That's not your issue. And we will abide by it. All right. The ding means we are about <clears throat> 25 seconds out. We're getting ready to rejoin the radio. Um, let's uh, let's continue on. If if it's not the teachers, then why did they vote no confidence concerned about the peer pressure? We'll talk about that as well, Tony. Thanks for joining us. All right. Ole Larson's our guest. We're going to continue the Michael Duke show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like and share. Like and follow. Here we go. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. Welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke show broadcasting live across the state of Alaska. And this is your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Our guest this morning, Ole Larson, who is a candidate for school board for reelection on the Matsu school board. And we're getting down to the point now of asking questions about uh, differences and everything else. So, Ole, let's start off there. What differentiates you from your opponent, why should people vote for Ole versus your opponent in this case? And, uh, you know, let, give us give us some details here and some differences so that people can differentiate why they should pull your name at the poll. Uh, over the last three years, uh, we passed parental rights um, uh, legislation or policies. We passed the fair playing field. We built two schools now without using uh, bond money. Um, we're totally conservative. We're, we want parents involved. My opponent has opposed. She was the she was the president of MSEA. She retired this last spring. Uh, she seems to be a nice person. She's running as a conservative. She's she says she's transparent, 
and she's um, a conservative and a parental rights person. She's patterned everything we've done, but you got to realize that they fought, and she was the president of MSEA. They fought the fair playing field, uh, which uh, protects Title IX. She fought every move that we made for parental rights, uh, and and so you have two different distinct differences. You have a person that's backed by the NEA and national organizations and a total a liberal, even though she's registered as a nonpartisan, um, or you have the conservative values, um, service organization, school board, that we want parents being involved. I mean, it's a choice of, um, having the school district look like we have right now or look like Fairbanks or Anchorage. Right. That's, I mean, it's a distinct difference between the two. I mean, that that is a glaring difference. When you have a school board that's dedicated to parental rights and getting parental involvement happening versus a school board where they believe in their heart of hearts, based in their words and their deeds, that somehow they know better than the parents how to raise those children, I think that's the clear choice here, right? I mean, essentially, you're saying they fought against every opportunity to have parental involvement, to have parental overrights or parental oversight of schools or classes or specific topics. They don't want that. They want that. They want the kids to be basically in the in the control, in the domain of the teachers and that the teachers make those decisions as if they were the parents. Correct, because uh, a good example is we were out walking uh, yesterday, and one of the people that we talked to uh, had uh, my opponent come up to their house two weeks ago, and they started asking her about parental rights. And she said, well, the teacher should determine uh, if uh, talking with a child should determine if the parent should be brought in or not. And I'm saying, no, the parent has to be brought in. So what she was saying is, it's up to the teacher, counselor, or those that are working in the system if they should get a hold of parents and should bring parents in, notify them on what their child's doing, right. if the child's going uh, one way or another. Because you know kids, especially middle school kids, when they're going through that awkward stage from uh, concrete thinking to abstract thinking, <laughs> uh, they're going to have issues. And what she's virtually saying is we'll take care of them and not the parents right and not notify the parents i can't imagine doing that i cannot imagine not allowing uh, not telling parents because when i had our kids in school we had great communications with with uh, our children and i can remember sitting at the dinner table and the, and one of my uh, daughters said how did you find that out how did you know that 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 we were doing that um it takes a community to raise a child. And what you're cutting out is that community and saying, I can do it without that community. It, it doesn't work that way. Right. Well, I mean, it takes a parent really to raise a child and they're the ones that are ultimately responsible in the eyes of the law, uh, the eyes of God. I mean, if you, whoever, whatever authority you want to plug in there, the parents are ultimately responsible. And it seems like what they want to do is usurp the parent's position in this case. And uh, and I think that that just goes a long way toward creating a dependency state and a and a and a trust of government that is misplaced in that regard. Um, yeah, what a burden. 
what a huge burden on somebody to do that to, to begin with, especially if that child goes sideways, you know? Right, exactly. Well, and again, not that the, the, the teachers are, um, you know, not that the teachers are bad. It's just that they shouldn't be forced to take that responsibility of, right. of, of being responsible for the children because that's really not their position. Um, See, go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. One of my, I, I'm sorry for interrupting you, but one of my daughters is a teacher, has been for 18 years. By the way, she got the job before I got on the board, and and she she virtually says that if she doesn't have parental involvement and she doesn't have the parents involved in her everyday class, she can't get anything done. She can't, you know. That's the big strive, and majority of your teachers, I believe, are there, but it's the social engineering from the top. Which I don't understand, where their constituents or their their members of their unions virtually want this parental right uh, act uh, policies, and why should I have to pass a, a policy for common sense? Have you figured that one out? It's common sense stuff. Well, it's common sense. It's amazing they call it common. It's so rare. That's part of the problem right there, Oli, for sure. Yeah. Um, of course, COVID, uh, you know, raised a lot of people's eyebrows, and we saw a lot of different changes and things like that. Um, what's your reaction to the results of COVID, the distance learning, the people who wanted to get their kids back in school? Any thoughts on that before we sum up here? Yeah, COVID was a great one to, to point out nationally what what was being taught in schools. And that was a good thing. When COVID hit in the um, spring, we remember we had to do the two-week uh, flatten the curve, which ended up a couple months and not opening up schools. As the school board, we said, no, our, our primary mission is to teach school or teach kids. So in the fall, we opened up uh, schools. Uh, we were the only district that did so, and um, of the top five, and we were fought heavy by the MSEA, and again, by my opponent. They said that we were putting our teachers into death themselves. We actually had a couple of people write me and say they were doing their last will and testimony. And then they fought and said, what happens if we don't show up? And we said, well, if you don't show up for work, you don't, you know, you're going to have to pay the consequences. They also want us to, to create a million dollar life insurance saying if anybody got COVID and died, that uh, we would do that. And we said, no, we're opening up schools. 5,000 kids didn't show up. By the end of the year, most of those kids had come back. Um, our primary function was to open up schools. And we're like I said, we wanted to make sure that our kids didn't suffer right. under this issue. <clears throat> And um, and we've done a lot better with our kids. We still have some COVID, uh, re, uh, you know, issues, um, but we did well during COVID. And then we, as soon as we could, we dropped the mask mandate and got rid of that. And then as soon as we could, we didn't even mention COVID. Right. Um, Ole Larson's our guest. We're down to the last minute or so here. Ole, I want to give you a chance to give us your final thoughts uh, and then we'll do some wrap-up during the commercial break. But go ahead and give us uh, your final pitch here, your elevator pitch, of why people should go out and vote for Ole Larson. I'm a conservative Republican. You know, uh, been married for 48 years. Um, very religious, believe in God. 
Uh, do you want me to give my website? You can take a yep, look. Go and, ahead. And what I've told people, look at both of them. You got look at both websites. Uh, hers and mine. Uh, it's Ole, O-L-E, the number four, kids.com. Ole4kids.com. Um, take a look. You've got a, a strict choice right now. Yep. It, a conservative uh, school board um, um, that's parental oriented or social engineering. That's the two choices you have. Ole Larson's OleForKids.com, OleForKids.com. If you want to go check it out, Ole Larson, our guest, thank you so much for coming on board. Hold the line for just a second, and we will be back uh, with you in just a second. Folks, we got more coming up. Jack Klaus with the Alaska Shriners in Hour 2, The Michael Duke Show. All right, Ole. Um, I wanted to give you a final bite at the apple here. I know that sometimes being up against the clock is a hard thing. So is there anything we didn't touch on? Anything else you want to talk about? Read, tell us, you know, what, what, what anything else that you want to finish up with? Now's the time to, uh, now's the time to put your, your final pitch out there. We got about three, four minutes here. Well, I just, I just can't understand this election. Uh, I've run unopposed for four terms and then, uh, this whole thing, uh, and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely correct. This whole thing became uh, apparent during COVID. Uh, I think parents saw what they were being taught, and the NEA and and uh, the Democratic Party wants wants to stop it. They want to get back to what they were, uh, and the parents are actually raising uh, up and and going against it. And as far as uh, one question that that's come up is. I've been on the board 15 years. How come we don't have term limits? We push term limits. The borough assembly makes that ruling and they have not made that ruling. Um, so, you know, we can't self-inflict term limits because right, that's a right. uh, ordinance. Right. So, and as far as the um, vote of no confidence, I've got, I've got the, uh, the oh, actual the, paper here. yeah the questionnaire yeah this is and for what for folks who don't know what he's talking about the the msea the matsu education association put out a poll a push poll to their members to said you know basically to have a vote of no confidence for the current leadership and the current school board and it's a basically a push tactic to try and sway people ahead of the election. But go ahead, Ole. Yeah. You, you've got it before. It, it, I won't read the whole thing, but the part is uh, one thing they're complaining about is for limiting the role of the student advisor uh, representing, changing curriculum, changing the library policy, limiting the ability of uh, counselors to support students, lack of transparency, and many, many more. Those are all the policies that they're talking about that we have changed for the uh, better. Uh, as far as the student advisory, um, they keep saying that we've we've silenced them. I blame the student, uh, the staff advisor for the student advisor. What he did, he stood up in front of us and said he is an elected school board member, and he tried to second an amendment to a, a main motion because he said he was an elected school board member. And I don't blame that child for doing that. That student, it's a, it's a teacher advisor that I blame for letting that student go off the end. 
you know, there right. again, because it's, it's an advisory position. It's not an official school board position. It's an advisory position. You're not elected. You're, you come in as the school board, you know, as whatever, but you're not an official position on the school board. Well, NEA and, and the teachers pushed him to believe that. And now he statewide, he wants to get a legislator. They've got a uh, resolution to become elected school board members. They want the voting thing. Now, you figure that's the social engineering again. That's a push, and they're using kids for their agenda. They have pushed heavy on this election that we're silencing children. And they actually had a protest against me on Monday. I went over to see it, where the kids stood in protest against me, um, but actually the school board for moving the kid off the dais and actually giving him more uh, verbiage, more ability to talk to him. We're bringing in other kids and other organizations in the school district to talk with us. We're hearing more kids now than ever, but it, it's, again, social engineering. They're usually using students to push social engineering. Can you, you know, and we're saying, yeah. no, you can't do it. Well, that, it's because you know? kids are easy to manipulate, right? I mean, that's the whole point yeah. here is that you, that you got you, the useful minds full of mush that they're trying to shape and fold, and they're utilizing them for their own ends. And that is the most heinous aspect of this whole thing, for sure. Um, all right. Ole Larson, uh, Ole4Kids.com. Links are up in the chat room. Dick posted that in the chat room. Thank you, Dick. Um, again, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Or social engineering, gender fluidity, and sex. What do you want your kids to be taught? That's the question. Um, And I think that I think the case is pretty clear. But it won't happen if we don't get out and vote. That's the bottom line. You know. And don't one last. Go ahead. I'm sorry. One one last thing. The library books. We got a committee that's doing that. We're not banning them. We're looking at um, uh, if they uh, if they are. Right for what what age level are they right for? So if they're not right for elementary kids, they can go into high school or whatever. We're keeping the porn, right. in other words. Well, if I can't read some of those books on the air, that's a problem to give them to grade schoolers. If I can't read the books on the air to give them to grade schoolers and middle schoolers, that should be problematic for people. And unfortunately, there's a whole group out there that believes it's just fine. Don't worry about it. And that, I think, is part of the problem. All right, Oli, thank you so much for coming on board. Appreciate it. Good luck. Um, get out, vote early, and do what you need to do to retain Oli Larson for the school board. And especially with the disingenuous policies of his opponent walking around saying she's a conservative. And it's not, I've had several people say they've said that right, she's said that right to their face when obviously she's, she's, she's not, she's not a conservative. So, all right, Oli, thank you so much for coming on board. I appreciate it. Uh, Appreciate you being part of it today. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to have uh, Jack Klaus with the Alaska Shriners. And we're going to be talking with him about uh, the Shriners themselves and also about the school boards. uh, Excuse me. And also about the uh, Shriner Classic, the all-star football game. That's all coming up uh, here this morning. Getting ready to do it. It, uh, This should be good. Uh, We're uh, ready uh, ready to go. So here we go. Hour two. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, follow, do all the stuff. Let's do it. 
Whoa, buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find everything from the audio-only live stream to the podcast to links to our social media sites where we simulcast the radio show every morning on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And, of course, live around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning! And welcome to the program. Uh, it is Thursday, and we've had a busy show already this morning. Just finished up with Ole Larson. Uh, I always want to say Ole. It's Ole, Ole, Ole Larson, who is running for Matsu School Board. If you missed that, you can go back and listen on the podcast or on the replay on Facebook. Uh, good information there for those of you who live in the Matsu and want to get good information on the uh, upcoming election, which is happening on the 7th. But right now, we're going to shift gears a little bit. And we're going to talk about something big that's happening this weekend. Uh, it's been going on for, wow, what, almost 35 years now? Uh, we're going to talk about the Shriner Classic. We're going to talk about the <clears throat> Alaska Shriners themselves. And more joining us this morning to discuss is Jack Klaus, who is the former potentate of the Alaska Shriners, also, of course, head of the uh, football unit, which is the, the the organization that puts together the football games. Uh, and we're going to talk with him um, right now. Uh, we hope uh, he's right here with us uh, in the green room. Good morning, good morning, Jack. How are you? How are you doing there, my friend? I'm doing very good. Thank you for having us, Michael. Well, it's good. It's good to have you on board. So, first and foremost, I guess, Jack, we should talk just a bit uh, about uh, Shriners themselves. Probably, people are aware of uh, of uh, you know the vaguely aware of the Shriners. You know, they see the fezes. They know that the Shriners Hospital for Children takes care of kids and all this kind of stuff. But let's talk for just a minute about the. Um, about the Shriners themselves and what you do here in the state of Alaska before we get into what's going on with uh, the game itself and how the game benefits that. Let's talk a little bit about the history of the Shriners and uh, see what's uh, see what's what. Tell us tell us a little bit about it. Uh, last year was our 150th year as an organization. Uh, we were established uh, as a fraternal organization for fun and fellowship. Uh, as you know, you have to be a Mason before you can become a Shriner. So in the Mason world, it's really prim and proper. Uh, we had 13 Masons go to a, a Moroccan ambassador's house, and they had a really wonderful time. And I thought, boy, what would be cool to have our own little organization, and we will uh, you know, evolve us around the, the Moroccan or Arab you know, theme. And, uh, you know, they had fun with it for, for about 50 years. 
And then in 1927, they said, you know, I think we should do something like uh, uh, a philanthropy. So how can we really uh, help? And polio was really, really bad at the time. So uh, we had some phenomenal uh, doctors that were in our the Shrine organization, and they helped uh, with research, and they helped pretty much eradicate uh, polio. And then we said, well, let's do something else. And we kept moving on and moving on. Uh, one thing about Shriners, we uh, we do a lot of research that people don't understand or don't you know realize that there's a lots of organizational support between different uh, colleges and universities to do research. And you know the main goal now is to uh, make lives better for kids throughout the world. We're known as Shriners International. Uh, we have uh, temples in the Philippines. Cyprus, um, Mexico, Canada. So um, we're a big organization that's growing uh, internationally. Right. So. And Shriners, of course, again, that dedication to the kids has been an important part of what you guys have done uh, over the last uh, you know 70 years of the organization focusing on that. And here in Alaska, you guys are doing a lot of good work for kids um, anywhere <clears throat> every year. The uh, Shriners of Alaska have been helping anywhere from two to three hundred children around the state um, with, uh, you know, cleft palate, uh, spinal disease, all these other things. And you're helping not only get these kids local treatment uh, at local Shriners clinics and things like that, where you're doing health clinics with the local uh, community hospitals and medical centers, but also getting kids outside. Right. You're, you're getting kids outside to the Shriners hospitals. Um, and getting them a chance to uh, uh, getting them a chance to get that care, regardless of parents' ability to pay, right? Correct. Um, for example, uh, in uh, 2018, uh, we hook, uh, joined with the McKinley Medical Center up in Fairbanks, and we have four outreach clinics a year. Uh, this Saturday uh, morning, we're going to be bringing in uh, 51 of our kids that's going to be able to uh, go over to Providence. We're bringing the doctors up from the Portland Hospital. So uh, medical staff will be here this Saturday, and they'll see 51 kids uh, prior, prior to our football game. Right. So twice a year we come in from Portland, four times a year we come in from Spokane Hospital. Right. If a, ch if a child has a problem, burn center, uh, we've got four of them, and uh, we can send the kids you know, off to the other um Burn centers, Galveston, Texas is probably one of our biggest for the Alaskan region. But, you know, we, we send kids all over to our hospitals in the lower 48. Right. And, and again, that's the benefit here is that uh, not only bringing kids locally in the state, you know, from <clears throat> various areas to communities like Fairbanks or Anchorage um, and paying for that and doing all that for the parents and helping them out, but also, again, to send them outside uh, to these larger centers uh, if they require specialized care. And that's really what the Shriners have been all about. So, you know, you see the monies that you may donate to Shriners or you see them, you know, selling onions or doing whatever. All of those are going to support the infrastructure, the temple, the travel fund, things like that. You guys have a specific travel fund that people can donate to that allows you to help fly these kids from rural and remote areas, their, their kids and their parents, to these local clinics and also to outside, right? That's one of the big parts of uh, what you do is helping to fund that travel fund to bring kids around. 
Yeah, yeah, every typical will have a 501c3 account. It's a, known as a patient transportation fund. And um, that's where we raise our, our charitable dollars to take care of the kids. Um, we were doing very well for a while. Uh, COVID has really affected, I think, all of us nonprofit organizations. Um, we have to raise pretty close to 200000 a year. Um to, to take care of our kids and the guardians now because uh, this COVID, we've, we've lost some of our agreements that we got to get back in with the airlines. Right. But uh, we, we all had to double the, the amount of money we raised to uh, take care of the kids. And it's, it's not cheap. Right. No, it's not difficult, but boy, I mean, it's not, it's not easy. It's difficult, but it, and it, but it's worth it. Right. I mean, now again, with COVID and some of the other things you guys are having to uh, do a lot more. And as you said, bring guardians now and do some of these other things. And so again, not a cheap thing, but a tremendous impact to the community. I just had three people in the chat room. Uh, Terry says, my son was sent to a Shriners hospital in Spokane, Washington. Amazing hospital and compassion. Faith over on Kodiak says, my daughter is a Shriners baby here from Kodiak. And Chris says, uh, my younger sister was helped by the Shriners. I mean, there's an impact from what you guys do here in the state, across the country, across the world with Shriners International. But here in Alaska, this is something. And by the way, folks, this is a charity that I believe in with my whole heart and soul. I have donated hundreds of hours and time to uh, the Shriners. Now, I'm not a Mason. I'm not a Shriner, but I believe in their mission in a big way, and uh, I believe that they are doing a tremendous amount of good uh, in the community, especially children for me. just I mean, it just tears my heart to see a child who has uh, some kind of infirmity or affliction, uh, like I said, whether it's cleft palates or burns or spinal condition or whatever, and not have the ability to make their lives better um, a donation to the Shriners uh, here in Alaska, especially specifically to the travel fund, will help put these kids into a place where their lives can be better. That's what Shriners are dedicated to, right? Oh, correct. And, and I mean, we in Alaska really need to thank uh, you, Michael, and, and people need to understand the amount of work that you've helped with this football game. This is its 47th year. Uh, there's been uh, eight years that you've worked with me on this game uh, to make it better every year. And, um, you know, without people like you you and your support, it, it wouldn't happen uh, to be this good. We'd probably still have a game, but the the ability to reach so many people, because not everybody can come to the game. And, you know, we're bringing ball players from Barrow, from Juneau. Uh, every school in the uh, state gets to have one represented and uh they'll select the, the team to fill it out we'll have 35 each t- on each team right and the, the parents to watch the game you know right. can see it you know through your streaming well i gotta say that <clears throat> it's the least i could do to help those kids i i don't really care about the accolades more i just want these kids to be i want the kids in alaska because my kids are here and thank god all my kids have been healthy um, but, uh, yeah, I would just like to think that if something was wrong with one of my children, there would be an organization like Shriners to be able to turn to, to say, I need help. Uh, regardless of the parents' ability to pay, that's what Shriners is all about. It's not just, uh, it's not just a club. It's not just, you know, the Masons or whatever. It is an organization that really they're wholeheartedly dedicated to taking care of kids. And, uh, I just can't think of a better use of my 
spare time is to help out with these folks and do what I can do to try and make it happen. Um, Jack Klaus is our guest. He is with the Alaska Shriners. He's the head of the football unit, the chair of the Shriners Classic, which is we're going to talk about here in a minute. The Shriners Classic is kind of the Alaska version of the East-West Shriners game, which we're going to talk about. We'll talk about the history of that. If you want to donate to Shriners, uh, Jack, can they just go to the website? Can they go to the Facebook page and find a way to donate to the Shriners and the travel? fund if they want to give five ten fifteen five thousand bucks whatever it is that they want to do mm-hmm. if not i'll give you my phone number and we'll uh, they can contact me and we'll uh, make sure they uh, know how to, to do it you know okay all right well we'll put it all together here and we'll have some links up in the chat room before the end of the show today uh, i mean it's dividend time i know everybody it's a pretty small dividend but you know if every one of you who are listening gave 20 bucks to the shriners we could have a few thousand dollars there you know to uh to do something with to help these kids get taken care of. And I, I I don't care where they are. I don't care what part of the state they are. I don't care who they are. If they need help, I'm here for them. And, uh, and I want, uh, I hope that you as listeners would, uh, uh, be willing to pony up, you know, five, 10, 15, 20, hundred bucks or whatever to help out donate to the Shriners kids and the, uh, and the travel funds, uh, which is the important part. You buy onions and stuff like that. That helps with the infrastructure, keeps the temples up and does all that other kind of stuff, keeps their offices open and, you know, those kind of things. But the the onions, although they're delicious, that's not necessarily helping the kids directly. We need money for the travel fund, and that's the important part. All right, we're coming up on the break. Jack Klaus is our guest. We're going to continue here in just a moment. We're going to talk about the Shriner Classic and uh, what it means, where it came from, what exactly is happening, and why if you're in Anchorage this weekend or you feel like taking a road trip, being down at the Dome would be a fun thing to do. We're going to be back with more. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're uh, in the break with Jack Klaus right now. Uh, thank you for sharing your stories, uh, chat room. Uh, if anybody else has stories of family, friends, or people you know that were helped by Shriners, I'd love to hear it and be able to highlight it here uh, on the program. Yeah, I mean, they they do a tremendous amount of work. And it's amazing when I talk about Shriners out in the public with people, how many people have been affected. Uh, oh, I had a friend. Oh, I had a sister. Oh, I had a cousin. Oh, I had a daughter. I had somebody that was helped by Shriners. Uh, again, for 100 years, they've been helping these kids across the country uh, take care of this stuff. And just to me, there's nothing there's nothing more, dis, uh, you know, just heartbreaking than seeing a child who is suffering something that will affect their whole life. Again, whether it's cleft palate or... Uh, amputee, you know, I, I have a friend who was actually one of the Shriner, uh, ambassador kids, um, who, uh, had suffered from a, a, a problem with her limbs where she, I can't remember what's a, it's the, it's a syndrome basically where her limbs would wither and she basically had been getting new prosthetics for her legs every year 
Uh, she had a whole row of prosthetics that you could see every year. There's probably 12 or 15 of them as she grew out of them. And she said, without the Shriners, I would not have but one of these legs uh, that she had, to, she used to walk around on. And uh, she was just, she was just uh, amazing. Absolutely amazing that Shriners was able to help her out. And her stories about how the Shriners and the hospital helped her. We interviewed her on the program, in fact. It, we, yeah. we interviewed her on the program. Sarah Hudson-Byler uh, is her name. And she's just amazing. Um, but it's amazing, her, not only her, her ability to overcome her, her problems and her affliction, but also, of course, just the how much praise and help she got uh, and how much praise she gave to the Shriners uh, Hospital for Children. Let me uh, let me go back through the comments here real quick. Jack knows the Jack knows the drill. He's a he's a frequent viewer of the programs here. So let me just go back up here uh, and see what else. Um, Dick, uh, oh Dick makes said my comment about the kids being manipulated in the school district is uh, winning the internet today. I think that's just anybody can see that for what it is. But let's go back over here to the Shriner stuff to see what else you're going up. Um, um, uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Sarah is absolutely amazing. Says Melissa. Yep. We met Sarah. Sarah was up in Fairbanks for a while, helping out at the radio station at Fairbanks. She's actually related to one of my good friends who works at the radio stations in Fairbanks there at KFAR. She's the niece of, uh, of the, uh, accounting manager there in Fairbanks. And it's just, it's, it's, I can't tell you enough folks. There's very few things that I get super emotional about, but when kids are in trouble, that's something I get super emotional about, and to see them, I can barely watch the Shriners Hospital for Children videos and television commercials and stuff because I just – it breaks my heart to see what they have to go through, but I am happy at least that they're getting what they need. Uh, Jeannie said, when I was in high school, I was in a high school marching band. We played the halftime show at the East-West Shriners game. Uh, that's awesome. That is awesome um, to get a chance to uh, to do that. And we're going to talk a little bit about – the history of the game and how it really is kind of came out of the East West shrine game, which is very similar, only played at a, at a college level instead of the high school level. And, uh, we'll talk, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that here in just a moment with Jack. Um, and people are still talking about the school board stuff. Okay. All right. Well, I'm not going to go backwards into the school board stuff for now. We can talk about that in the final segment of the show this morning. And we'll see what uh, we'll see what you guys have to say in the final segment. I want to focus right now on uh, Shriners and the Shriner Hospital game. Uh, let me see. Uh, we got about forty-five seconds here. Um, let me see if I can find the. Uh, I know we've got a link up at the. There it is, right there. I think it's AlaskaShriners.org, and I think you can donate uh directly there i'll take a look at it here as we get ready to uh to do it or jack as jack said he can give his uh he can give his phone number and we, and we he can figure out how to donate uh to jack uh to the fund directly um all right uh here we go 10 seconds out the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio like and share like and follow help a shriner today help a shrine kid today uh, let's uh, let's pony up a little money. Here we go.
Okay, welcome back to the program. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. I was just thinking about the uh, the Shriners game and one of my most prized possessions in my old studio. It's now sitting in my uh, it's now sitting in my uh, bedroom up on a shelf. But in my old studio was a Shriners football, Shriners classic football that was signed by all the kids, and uh, I was pretty pretty excited to receive that as a as a memento of. Uh, I think it was my first year of helping to support Shrine Kids, and it's it's been an amazing thing. So Jack uh, Klaus, who is our guest. Uh, is a former potentate of the Alaska Shriners, uh, also the chair of the football committee, uh, puts on the Shriner Classic. So we're going to talk about the Shriner Classic, but the Shriner Classic kind of came out of something else, Jack, probably something that somebody, that many football fans out there probably have heard about, and that is the East-West Shriners game. Tell us a little bit about that and how that was molded and shaped to use here in Alaska. Well, the East West Shrine game is our college game where they selected uh, the the you know the the best of the best uh, and started back in California and it's moved from different locations um, throughout the state. You know, Texas, Florida, California. Now it's being it was played uh, last year in Las Vegas. So for two years in a row, we played it at the Raider Stadium. Uh, this year, it's going to be in some place called Dallas, where they have a big star. Um, <laughs> they, they hooked up with uh, uh, the Jones family. We'll be playing at the Dallas Cowboy Stadium. Um, the NFL has now signed a little contract with us to um, be one of our sponsors. So that's a big step. Um, the East West Shrine game used to be the premier college game, and then it took a dip and the senior bowl took over and now the, the shrine um, east west game is really coming back with a lot of uh, strength so we're hoping to get a long-term deal uh, with the dallas cowboys and, and play there for a few years uh, we have out of all the ball players we had i think we had 76 get drafted and that's uh that's, that's a pretty good number to go and you know to be oh, yeah. drafted by the NFL. You know they're not all going to become superstars. We had some guy that did a pretty good job by the name of Brady. Uh, Brady was an East West uh, player. Uh, some guy by the name of John Elway. Uh, some Brett Favre. <laughs> you know we've had we've had a few decent ball players right that, that play in our game. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and so that is the big East West Shrine game that's played at the college level. Uh, but uh, back in 1976, somebody decided, you know, Alaska, we're way far away. We got something different, but let's take a page out of that book and let's create the same type of game. But in this case, for high school students. So the All Alaska, the All Alaska Shriners Classic was created in 1976, and uh, you're basically pulling together a big all-star team from all across the state of Alaska at the high school level. Tell me about it. Uh, every school. Uh, Barrow, um, Juneau, Douglas, uh, you know, of course, the Anchorage Bowl, Colony, West, East, Soldotna, Kenai, Seward. Every every school gets to send one boy automatically to get to play in the game. And then we develop a, a team uh, of, of all the other boys that are selected all-state, all-conference it is a truly an all-star game. Um, and the big thing, Michael, is it's not the size of the school, it's the size of the heart of the player. 
So having having you know we got nine man football now in Alaska. There's five teams at nine man. Well, it looks like we lost Jack's connection there for a second. We'll see if he reconnects uh, in just a second. Uh, we're talking with Jack Klaus, who is the chair of the Shriner Classic game. And uh, here on the program, uh, we're talking about the Shriner Classic. You can find him on Facebook, by the way, at facebook.com slash alaska.shriners, facebook.com slash alaska.shriners. Um, we're going to see if we can get, uh, we're going to see if we can get Jack back here in just a second. Uh, we've lost, uh, we've lost his connection, uh, and we'll be rejoining him here in just a hot second here as the internet, uh, cooperates. See, we'll see if we can get him, uh, back, uh, on the pro is, uh, back on the program. Um, uh, well now somebody's saying that, uh, Jack is not lost. You're good, Jack. Go ahead. Um, all right, so we're going to uh, continue that here in just a second, um, and we will uh, we'll continue here in just a moment. Coming up tomorrow on the program, it will be Firearms Friday. There we go with Jack. Whoops, Jack just uh, left, uh, and we're going to hear Jack. Jack will connect us here in just a second. Tomorrow's Firearms Friday. We're going to be talking about, of course, a lot of the issues uh, surrounding guns, 2A, the Second Amendment, all that jazz. Uh, that'll be coming up. Uh, tomorrow uh, on the program starting at 6 a.m. Plus, of course, Willie Waffle from wafflemovies.com. Uh, Willie will be joining us to give us the entertainment review, and we'll be talking with him about that. Uh, I see Jack is back in the chat room, and apparently this was a me problem, not a Jack problem, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm sorry, Jack. You were saying uh, it doesn't matter the size of the school. It matters the size of the heart of the player, and so you guys have got started. Yes, and uh, you know the game is the game uh, has come, you know, full circle. We were we were doing real good, then we took a dip, and now we've really came back with a lot of the innovative ideas and being able to reach you know people during the day that the game that uh, is being streamed, so people can see it you know all over the world, and and that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, technology's really got. Phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, technology is amazing. Uh, we brought the streaming to the game. Um, the first couple times, I just kind of streamed it um, as a as an aside, but it's become a key com key component of the game now, where we're basically broadcasting the game, the color commentary, the play by play, uh, and it's just gotten better every year. Now you'll be able to view the uh, <clears throat> now you'll be able to view the game. Uh, on Facebook, if you can't make it down to, of course, we'd love to have you down in Anchorage at the Dome this Saturday. Uh, kickoff is at 1 p.m. Um, but uh, if you can't make it, just log on to Facebook. Again, facebook.com slash alaska.shriners, and you can uh, follow the game along there. This is an opportunity, Jack, to highlight players and to let them, you know, let them be this their time to shine, right? And there will be some opportunity for these players to actually get some notice from college level coaches and things like that as well, right? Uh, the the game is actually put together uh, for the ball players to have the best of the best showcasing their talent, and uh, we had thirty two ball players get uh, college offers last year in the in the state. And that's, you know, that's about half the boys get to go to college if they want to. Uh, I think that's wonderful um, to give them that opportunity to uh, further their careers. And, and 
Yeah. You know, not everybody, not everybody needs to go to college. You know, I mean, I, I agree with what you say on a daily basis. Well, <laughs> uh, college is not made for everybody, but if they want that opportunity, uh, it's really nice to have Alaskan kids go there and be successful. So um, absolutely. Um, Jeannie in the chat room just said you should include all ball sports, football, basketball, soccer, baseball and hockey. Jeannie, I'm sure Jack would love to do all that, <laughs> but uh, you have to realize the Herculean effort. Jack has been the head of the football unit for how many years, Jack, now? Eight years. Eight years. Okay, so Jack, Jack and I have been doing this together since uh, since he became head of the football unit, and it is, it is a year round Herculean monumental task just to do yeah. football. Uh, I'm sure he would love to do basketball, soccer, baseball, and hockey as well, but uh, there'd need to be six more of him to make it happen, and six probably six more of me to make it happen. So, if yeah. you're volunteering, Jeannie, we'd love to have you come up here and help <laughs> us do it. But we would love to. But again, a great opportunity to highlight these kids, give them an opportunity for that exposure, and of course, <clears throat> educate the people on uh, that this is just one of the things that the Shriners do uh, around the state of Alaska, and this is also a fundraising effort, right, uh, Jack? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is uh, the premier uh, charitable fundraising event that, that we do in Alaska. You know, we sell onions, and that, that's fraternal stuff, but this is our premier. And it's a 501c3, so everybody that would want to get a tax-exempt uh, letter, um, all they got to do is, you know, give us a couple of dollars, and we'll go ahead and get them a tax-exempt tax letter to help them. Right. Uh, but, you know, the colony band has showed up for all of them, them years, and they are really put on a wonderful show at halftime. Right. So, no, they I mean, do. it's just a it's wonderful a day. It's a community event, you know, and so if you're there, if you want to, uh, if you want to, uh, you know, bring 10, 15 bucks to drop in the kitty while you're there, any money raised there will help out. Uh, I'll make sure that Jack has a link up on the Facebook page of the website to donate. You can donate to their PayPal uh, if you want to do it, if you can't, uh, if you can't uh, do it uh, locally or you can't be there, um, you, you know, again, all this stuff helps to go and fund the Alaska Travel Fund, which is the important part. That's the fund that gets all the kids from the various communities anywhere in the state, whether it's a Fairbanks or it's Newixic or wherever it is, pulling these kids in and getting them to local clinics and uh, and 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 do it to it. And I agree with what Terry says. Terry says, Jeannie, we need more Jacks in the world. That's what we need. If Jack could clone himself, uh, we could, we could get more of this done because this is the kind of work that needs to be done out there. I just want to say thank you to Jack for his passion and, uh, putting, you know, pouring his heart and soul into this. He's been doing this again for eight years and it is definitely a full, he starts working on the next game the day after the previous game. You know, so November 1st, Jack is out there already thinking about the next year's game. It always takes place in the last Saturday of October, as long as the facility is available. And it's been going on continuously except for COVID, right, Jack? I mean, that was the the COVID kind of threw the wrench in the in the works there. Uh, yeah. Even when the dome collapsed, we still played the game at Diamond High School. We played it, you know. Uh, it's got to go on. You know, yeah. one thing, Michael, every dime, I will sure your your listeners will go to the patient transportation fund. There is no overhead cost like some organizations have money that goes to pay uh, for wages of people. Everything that we collect 
at this game for this game will go into our patient transportation fund or into the hospital system. Right. So I'm proud of that. I mean, yeah. I'm proud that we, we, we don't have to worry about paying anybody. We put this money to good use for our kids. Right. Other fundraising efforts go to help fund the game itself, but every dollar collected goes to the travel fund to get those kids to where they need to go. Um, and, uh, and I'm happy. And if you want to volunteer, you can reach out to Jack. If you want to help out with the game, you want to help out, uh, you know, security sidelines, you know, waving, holding signs, whatever you need to do. Jack is a, uh, uh, Jack is the guy to talk to, uh, Jack, if folks want to find out, uh, or they want to contact you, if they want to donate money or donate time or volunteer, how do they reach out to you? Um, they can get a hold of me at klausalaska2 at gmail.com. Okay, uh, Klaus Alaska, uh, Alaska two at gmail dot com. I'm just putting that in the chat room so that people can uh, uh, can send you an email if they want information. Like I said, I'll work with Jack to make sure that they have a donate button up on the Facebook page. We'll be taking donations throughout the broadcast. I'll be helping with the broadcast on Saturday. Uh, you can come on by again if you're in if you're in Anchorage and you want to come by the dome. Uh, the doors will open at noon, I believe, and then the kickoff starts at 1 o'clock, and uh, it'll be a great game. Uh, it's always good to see these kids in their prime and go out there and enjoy it. And we'll be broadcasting the game on Facebook Live as well on the Alaska Shriners page, which is at facebook.com slash Shriners. Excuse me, facebook.com slash Alaska.Shriners, and you can go watch the game from there as well. But again, any money donated goes to help. The kids and the kids alone. Jack is doing this not for glory, not for money, but out of the goodness of his heart. And he's been doing it for a lot of years. And I'm proud to be able to help them do whatever they can do. Um, I'm I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for this weekend. And Jack, I, I really appreciate uh, all your hard work and all your effort. You, you know, you've done a yeoman's job with these kids. And uh, I agree with what, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I agree with uh uh, what uh, Denise said, we need uh, we need more jacks in the world. Or Terry said, we need more jacks in the world, and uh, a few more folks like you. And we could be doing basketball and soccer and hockey as well. Maybe you should start cloning yourself, Jack, to get it done. Uh, I, I do have a wonderful team. My bride, um, she handles a lot of the the work behind the scenes, and you know, the the Shriners that that support me. But we have a pretty good team. Um, and you know, it, it's a wonderful cause. There's nothing that warms your heart more than be sitting at Fred Meyer's and a little child comes up to you and says, "Are you one of them Shriners?" Because you know, I I wear my hats, my jackets. And you say yes, and they want to hug your leg, and the mother comes up and gives you a story, and you tear up. Yeah, and you go, "I'll, I'll do more. I'll do yeah. more next time." I'll so. do more next. That's exactly it. It's great. Brian just said, "Wait, MD can do football broadcast." Thought you weren't a sports guy. I'm not a sports guy. I'm a Shriners guy. I'm a kids guy. I like to help yeah. the kids. I don't know anything really about sports, but I know a lot about technical stuff, and that's what I'm helping Jack with. He's got people that can do the color commentary. I could go, hey, look, it's a ball. That's about what I can do. <laughs> He's got guys that know all about the football that will help us out with the broadcast on that. All right, Shriners Classic up going on at uh, the Dome in Anchorage this Saturday, 
Kick off at 1 p.m. Be there at noon. If you want to come on in and join us, it's going to be a fantastic time. We'll get some links up, and I'll, I'll be posting some links for uh, donations. Like I said, dividend time. If you want to donate five, ten, fifteen, a hundred, a thousand dollars, whatever you want to do, all that money is going to the travel fund to help get these kids from the local communities to the treatment that they need, regardless of their parents' ability to pay. Jack, thank you so much for what you do, my friend. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. I am. Um, I love it. I mean, I love being a Shriner. I love helping them kids. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is one of the most rewarding things to see the smiles on their faces. And you knew that you had just a little bit to do with helping those kids out. It's great stuff. Jack, hold the line. Folks, we are out of time for this segment. We got one more coming up. We're just going to open line it in the next segment. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but it'll be fun. I'm, I'm on an up note now. Now that I did this, I don't know as I can go back to anything uh, angsty. We're going to be back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, Jack Klaus is uh, in the chat. Sorry about that, Jack. I don't know. I thought I had lost you. It turns out everybody lost me. I've, something happened to my internet connection. <laughs> and because you're connected to my StreamYard service, you were still going. And I thought, well, I thought that you were gone. Uh, so anyway, uh, I apologize for that. Bad, you know, GCI, they're doing a yeoman's job here for me. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, final thoughts, Jack, on this uh, and the football game and all the hard work you've put into this. Uh, you know, final thoughts and pleas for people out there who might be thinking about uh, coming out or donating or whatever. I give you the last word, my friend. Uh, you know, if you see these kids, I mean, the high school players come out and play so hard. And we want to just give them uh, the, an experience that, you know, when they're they're my age, they can tell their great grandkids, hey, I played in that shrine game and uh the ball players in Alaska do not get the um, accolades that they deserve. I mean, our, our boys play, you know, every sport. You know, three of my guys that were selected are at this week's game because they're already in hockey tournaments and already in wrestling tournaments. And we, we just produce some outstanding young men. And it's just neat to get with them and spend time with them and the coaches uh that you know they're 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 coming on board so much and they're enjoying the game and uh the fruits of their labor they get to see so it's uh i, I enjoy it michael i mean yeah. that's, that's why we do that's why we do it you yeah know, we just no definitely not doing it for the accolades or for the money that's for <laughs> sure right i mean <clears throat> it's a it's a lot of work i mean my part in it is tiny compared to the the hours that jack pours into this over the course of like i said it is a full year for him to prepare for the next game and i always swoop in at the last minute to do a few things and uh and uh and, and to help out a little bit but jack is the one that is carrying the burden of this the entire year um and uh he just he always pulls it together always pulls it together so it's always good to see and like he mentioned i don't know if you heard him say it earlier but he mentioned the one year that the dome collapsed the dome is where we play the game well one year the dome collapsed because of snow load and everything else and scrambling i mean that happened like what was it jack two weeks three weeks before the game 
Something. Yeah, before we, uh, it, was, it was a it was a very bad time. It was a bad time. Happy. They already had everything in place, ready to go. All of a sudden, the dome is down. How are we going to play the game? And ended up playing the game out at the field uh, at one of the outside fields in October. Um, but uh, they still they still pulled it off, and uh, it was pretty amazing. So it is uh, it's great stuff, Jack. I just I can't thank you enough, my friend, for coming on board. And uh, thank you for uh, for all that you do and for the what the Shriners do. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on Saturday. I got uh, I got I got a stack of gear downstairs that's ready to be hauled out. So we're ready to put all the cameras up and do everything else and get things rolling. And we'll be doing that live stream for you on uh, we'll be doing that live stream for you on uh, Saturday. Uh, appreciate it, Michael. Looking forward to seeing you. All right. Thanks so much for coming on board, Jack. Jack Klaus with the Alaska Shriners, uh, part of the big show today. I appreciate that. Uh, okay, folks, uh, one final segment. Uh, somebody just said, do a what-if segment. Well, I do. I just so happen to have some what-if material here, so maybe you're right. Maybe we should do something like that, you know? Uh, what if you have no lettuce for your burger? Well, you're a sad, you're a sad, sad panda. If you don't have lettuce, tomatoes, and pickles for your burger, you are a sad, sad. But I would tell you, I would still eat that burger versus something else. Because there's, you know, I don't know if there's any such thing as a bad burger. But, I mean, if you don't have lettuce and tomato and pickle for your burger, you are kind of a sad panda. I'm just, I'm just saying right there. Um, okay. Uh, what, uh, what else you guys been talking about here in the chat room? Um uh again when are the onions out uh that'll be in the spring harold they'll have the onions out in the spring um and i'll probably have them back on the shriners back on because that the the onion sales helps with their infrastructure here in the state of alaska keeps their offices open and building maintenance and all that kind of stuff that helps out with the infrastructure aspects of the shriners and then the all the other stuff they do out of the uh uh, you know, out of the travel fund. And that's, that's where the, the good, the big good works come out of is out of the travel fund. So good place to help there, uh, as, as well. All right. Should do a Shriners hockey game. says Melissa, everybody wants it to be hockey. Well, you know, maybe one day, maybe one day, like I said, there have to be two of us to be able to get it all done. Uh, and Jack's doing most of the heavy lifting. Cause I just don't have the time to do it, but, uh, yeah, it would be nice to have. A, I would I would say football and then hockey, and then we could talk about the other sports, you know, soccer, base, basketball, baseball, that kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, hockey would be probably the one that I would I would vote for as the second Shriner Classic. Uh, all right, we'd call it the Shriners Cup. Yeah, buddy. All right. Uh, they should sell garlic in the fall, says Denise. You think they got a sweet garlic to go on with a sweet Vidalia onions? By the way, those onions, so good. And the Bloody Mary mix, oh, man, they sell all kinds of great stuff. All right, we're out of time. we got to go. Final segment, The Michael Duke Show. Just be grateful the Shriners do what they do, says Terry. I agree. I mean, 
Some good folks. Some good folks out there. Uh, amazing folks, quite honestly. Uh, and doing a lot of good work. And we appreciate them so much. All right. Well, one final segment for the show today. And... Um, you guys are making me hungry now. Somebody said, uh, you know, let's do a what if segment. Keep it light. What if your fillings fall out in the bush? Uh, I'm going to the dentist in the morning, says Denise. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I know that you've probably kept some lidocaine or Ambisol gel in this case in your first aid kit, right? I mean, that's uh, always a good thing. In fact, uh, my first aid kit includes a small bottle of Ambisol, lidocaine, and uh, I keep a few of those little uh, diabetic-type needles around so that if I have to do something, uh, I still remember, boy, this is 20 years ago. My daughter um, was at home, and she kicked a – there was a toothpick on the floor in the kitchen or something. Anyway, somehow, some way, she kicked it just right with her foot and caught the edge of the cabinet, and it drove the toothpick in between two of her toes in the webbing. And it drove the toothpick like halfway into her foot, or halfway into the, the half the toothpick into her foot. And, uh, of course, ow, right? Well, our little lidocaine, little bit of needlework right on top of the skin there just to deaden everything up, that went a long way to making it work. And then a pair of needle-nose pliers, and we fixed it right there. That is a little bit of where there is no doctor or you don't want to go to the emergency room because this is pretty simple. We got it done. It, uh, it's, a, it's a great suggestion. A little Ambisol, uh, the liquid, uh, which is mostly lidocaine, definitely a handy thing to have for a topical agent to uh, numbing agent to make it work or just below the skin, so to speak. Uh, anyway, I'm not a doctor, nor do I play one on TV. Your mileage may vary, but uh, I'm willing to uh, do what I can to uh, help those things out. Okay, um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what if. This was an interesting article, and I mentioned this yesterday, but we never got around to it. Uh, it was an article in the Wall Street Journal, uh, of all places. I had to I had to to laugh because uh, this this article showed up in the Wall Street Journal, the paper of record, right? I mean the whole thing. And uh, this is an article from uh, I don't know ten days ago or so, and uh, it. It, the headline reads, who counts as a disaster prepper these days? And the answer to that is lots of us. Lots of us count as disaster prep preppers. Uh, they say disaster preparedness, uh, once the province of fringe groups and so-called preppers convinced that doomsday was at hand, has a new face. The story goes on to talk about how there's been a renewed interest in self-reliance amongst suburbanites, city dwellers, uh, their homes, their cars for emergencies. And this is all coming from some of the people who are in the industry, owners of disaster preparedness businesses. Now, they speculate, the Wall Street Journal does, that there is a bunch of different uh, issues that are driving this. Most likely... Uh, post-pandemic issues, right? Not only the lockdowns, not only being isolated and locked in, but also supply uh, supply chain shortages, 
the fact that uh, that for months there, grocery shell grocery shelves uh, were partially empty, and then of course we've got natural disasters, you know, hurricanes, the 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 fire on Maui, and of course global events like what's going on with Hamas and and uh, Israel and all that other kind of stuff. Uh, the business owners and survival training coaches are all saying that they're seeing a new kind of customer uh, looking to make sure that they can get through a few days or a few weeks without power or fresh water in the event of a flood, fire, or other calamity. They said these customers don't fit the normal stereotypical doomsday prepper, you know, who are stocking up. They built their bunker and they've got ammunition and gas masks kind of thing, right? Because they, let's face it, that's the stereotypical reaction is that any time you talk about preparedness, they immediately think, again, this is my, I, I just, I had to laugh every time. I would watch that show Doomsday Preppers as kind of a joyride, as kind of a funny thing, right? If you remember the show Doomsday Preppers on, uh, it was Nat Geo or whoever had it, and they'd always interview the guy, and he'd always had three teeth in the front of his mouth, and he'd be like, yeah, I'm uh, I'm getting ready for the zombie apocalypse or whatever. You know, the next lady would be like, I'm waiting for the collapse of the dollar, or I'm waiting for global thermonuclear war. Or what? It was always some very specific scenario uh, or something like that, when, when in all honesty, if you're talking about preparedness, you need to be prepared for just about anything. But more likely, it's going to be flood, fire, earthquake, tornado, typhoon. I mean, those are the things that are really going to affect you. Or terrorist attack. I mean, those are the things that statistically you're going to be dealing with. And especially if you need to hunker down and shelter in place and you want to make sure you have some things at hand. You know, I, I I just it always irritated me that anytime you talked about that, they immediately thought that again you had a bunker in the backyard with, uh, you know, six million rounds of ammunition and and some gas masks in it. That's not what it's all about. So they go on to profile some of these people in this article, and it's very very interesting. According to um, uh, the company Preppy, which is a which is a new uh, uh, which is a a new uh, survival kit company. Surveys and they said that their sales to date uh, for their emergency preparedness kits are up 29% from 2022. And surveys and rising sales of prefabricated disaster kits indicate that Americans are more apt to keep sheltered emergency supplies on hand more than they were a few years ago. Roughly a third of the 2,200 adults surveyed by Finder, which is a financial services company in April, said they spent an average of $149 on items including non-perishable food, medical supplies, cases of water. Um, That's up 20% from those who did that in 2020. 22 or in 2020. So this is from 2022 to 2020. Um, Those uh, newly packing go bags and planning emergency escape routes say they used to consider such preparations overly fearful. Now they say not doing so is naive, which is exactly what I've been talking about for years. Preparedness brings peace. Right. Preparing and putting go bags together, planning emergency stuff. People used to say that was overly fearful. No, it brings peace. They highlight one guy. His name is Rick. And they said he wants to be clear. He's not a bunker guy, which I think most of us are not bunker guys or gals. Right. He said, I'm a PlayStation five. Love my comfort guy. 
He said, uh, if you told him a few years ago he'd have four pre-packed bug-out bags hanging in his Kansas City, Missouri pantry, he wouldn't have believed it. He said, but now they're there. They're filled with snacks, flashlights, water, and coloring books for his two young sons. He said that the COVID pandemic, the wars in Ukraine and now Israel, along with the wildfires in Canada and Hawaii, he says he's, you know, avoiding panicking about his family's safety by focusing on what he can control. Again, preparedness brings peace. Um, it just, it, this whole article just goes on and on about how weird it is that all of a sudden preparedness has gone mainstream. Well, there's a big reason for that because again, preparedness brings peace. This is, this is the crazy stuff. Um, all right, we're going to, uh, I guess I'll, I'll see if I can find this article. I've got it on a PDF form. I'll see if I can find the link to this article and post it up in the chat room so folks can go read it. All right, we are out of time for today, my friends. Um, tomorrow's Firearms Friday. Yeah, being prepared in Alaska is different. Have some warm weather gear in your car. You know, little candle, little whatever, some blankets, some extra boots. That's just common sense. I don't even know if that's called being prepared. That's just called not being dumb. All right, out of time, folks. See you tomorrow. Have a great day. All right. Yeah, don't forget those Jace medical kits. That's a great way. We talked to the folks at Jace. That's a great deal. And, of course, uh, other medical opportunities as well. Medical kits, blankets, a few candles, a little water. What is it that you need? A little bit of everything. All right, we got to go. Um, it is uh, great to talk with you guys. Thanks for coming in. We will be back tomorrow with Firearms Friday. Have a great day.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 